I am very obsessed with food and while I'm eating lunch, I'm thinking about dinner and it better be good. I just, I love food. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with me, Jen Hatmaker. You guys, today we're talking about the healing power of food with recipe developer and New York Times bestselling cookbook author, Alex Snodgrass. Hey, everybody. It is Jen Hatmaker, your happy host of the For the Love podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about something I've been working on. And listen, I am just thrilled to share it with you. So every single day of our lives, we are hit over and over with the message that we need more, more money, more friends, a bigger house, a fancier job title, more of everything. Because if we have more in our lives, then we will matter more or something. But when you think about it, the idea that you have to be more at all It's just kind of this crippling idea in the first place. And it doesn't make you feel better. It doesn't make me feel better. It makes my heart start beating faster. makes my eyes roll back in my head and my shoulders come up to my ears. More is tiring. More is tiring and I'm tired. So I wonder what it would feel like to live with less, less stuff, less spending, less stress. I wonder how you'd feel if you made more room for the best things that life has to offer, the stuff that we really care about, joy, generosity, connection, freedom. So 10 years ago, my family started an experiment that we called Seven, where we dialed it back on seven areas of our lives, like food and clothes and spending and media, stuff and waste and stress. And let me tell you, it was life-changing, and it still is. Seven shifted the way that we operated in the past decade. And it's done the same for tens of thousands of readers who did this experiment right along with us. And now here's the exciting part. I'm bringing you a new, updated, revised edition of Seven. And it's now called Simple and Free. Ah, Simple and Free. Doesn't that sound nice? Isn't that what we're craving right now? I want to invite you into this story that honestly changed me forever. I've added a bunch of new thoughts and new research throughout the book about how remarkably changed we have been since this originally took place 10 years ago. And please believe me, this is not a template. It's not a rule book. It's not another something that's going to make you feel guilty. That I promise you. It's freedom. I am inviting you to explore what your life might look like when you start to shift your thinking from more, more, more to less. Because once you let go of all that stuff that we were never meant to carry around, we discover we have room for peace and freedom. I just can't wait for you to read Simple and Free. I'm so happy to share that you can get it right now, wherever you buy books. So head on over to jenhatmaker.com slash simple and free and grab your copy today. Can't wait to talk to you about it. All right, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the show. Welcome to this great and fun series. We are in the middle of a series called For the Love of Food. And I am hard pressed to remember a series where I have enjoyed so much talking to my guests. Our conversations are just lively and back and forth and full of enthusiasm and laughter. And today is absolutely no exception. This is my first time to meet my guest today. And I'm so glad that I did because she was delightful. So for those of you listening, I don't know what your relationship is with food, with cooking specifically. It could be that you love it. It could be that it's, that's like a really meaningful part of your day or your life or your rhythms. It could be that you hate it. 
that you're intimidated by it, that you don't get it, that you're sick of it. It could be that you once loved it, but it has like kind of lost its magic. Let's be honest. After essentially a year of the pandemic, there isn't a person among us who now has not spent so much time in the kitchen that even the biggest food lovers among us could be like, whatever, like just whatever, whatever about it. And our eaters are sick of whatever we made. So they're making us mad all the time. So sometimes we can, no matter how we feel, get stuck in the food doldrums. And so today's guest is going to just put a little pep in your step. I mean, what, however you enter this conversation, whatever your relationship with food and cooking is, this is a guest who can really like help you fall in love with it again. And remember why you should in the first place or why you ever did. And remember the power of the table and remember what a joy it can actually still be to cook incredible nourishing food for the people that we love. So today on the show, we have such a cute guest, you guys. Alex Snodgrass is here. Kind of, you already know who she is. She's got a huge following on Instagram. She is the founder of The Defined Dish. That is her space. She shares healthy recipes, but they are absolutely delicious. We locked into this concept during our conversation day. Like, if food is not good, we're not eating it. If food is not delicious, I'll just be hungry. She's not messing around here. She loves spice. She loves salt. We have very similar flavor profile. And so she is a healthy cook, but a delicious one. And so she has a beautiful cookbook called The Defined Dish that became an instant New York Times bestseller because well, you'll see, you'll love her. You will love how she is. You'll love her food point of view. She's very no nonsense. It all feels very doable, very possible, very normal. She puts just recipes and tools in our hands that make you go, Oh, I can do this. Like I can actually do this. And I enjoyed talking to her so much that at the end of this conversation, we stayed on just the zoom and talked for another 20 minutes. I love her personality. I love her food profile. I love her point of view. I love her style. She can go to culinary school. She's a normal home cook like you and me which makes me trust her and want to listen to her and learn from her. You're going to love her. And I can't wait for you to start following her because her stuff is absolutely incredible. And so with that, I am delighted to share this great, fun, and funny conversation with Alex Snodgrass. I am so happy to meet you, Alex. Thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. You're just so great at what you do. You are just absolutely shining in your element. I just cannot wait to mine your brain today. Well, let's see if it can be mined. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're actually right. At this point, at this point in pandemic, is there anything left to mine? I mean, there really isn't. I don't think there is. I think we're all brain dead at this point. I have filled my listeners in already a little bit about you and who you are, but I would like first, before we dig into the stuff, to hear a little bit more about how 2021 has kicked off for you. How are you doing? Who's near you? What has your family been up to? How are you kind of managing you, your work and your people? This year. You know, I feel like managing is a tough word because I feel like I'm doing a terrible job at managing right now. I do too. And 
it's so funny because I think we all had big hopes for 2021. We're like 2020 is behind us. We're up. And I just feel like it's off to a bumpy start, but I'm definitely trying to remain positive. We kicked it off with, we got COVID. I actually did it. My husband did it, but both of my daughters did because we were exposed to someone close to us and, and they got it. And it was, it was fine. We were just kind of quarantined for a while because the first child tested positive then we waited. And then the second one, so it was just like this Yep. train of events like a and rolling then, yes. I can't believe you didn't get it I'm shocked I can't believe either I'm honestly very confused as to how neither of us got it because you can't really quarantine from your five-year-old child no you can't um, <laughs> no you can't so, so she was like in bed with us one night and she wasn't like sick or anything but she just wasn't herself you know how kids are when they're sick and so she wanted to sleep with us I couldn't decline that and so I was like, well here we go we're just gonna we're just gonna get it it's been chasing us for a year where we finally caught up to us, but we somehow didn't get it. Guess our immune systems did its job that time. So we'll just see. But second to that, I've also been finishing up a big project that I can't quite announce yet, but you can probably guess what that is. Oh, that's so exciting. It It is interesting to see what we are capable of pivoting toward even now that we find a way workarounds to the way we might normally pull off a project to how we do it now, but it's all still possible. I can't wait till you can share that. That's exciting. When we're done recording, I'll make you tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I just think, you know, this year's already tested my patience and my limits, but at the same time, I just feel like we've all been going through that over the last year and it's just picking up the pieces and figuring it out and working through the puzzle. And I feel like this year is going to continue to teach me those, those puzzling ways. <laughs> Absolute same. So frankly, I have a ton of food people in my life and we have a lot of really great food people in this series. And one thing that I've noticed is not everybody comes to food the same way. Some food folks were raised at their grandma's elbow cooking her recipes and some were absolutely like like I was just talking to Nadia and she did not even know that the oven was usable until she went to a home ec class in high school. So we, we come from different ways. What's your front door here? How did your food passion develop? Was it hours in the kitchen with your mom or your aunts or your grandmas or your people? Was it generational love of food that was like lovingly passed to you? Yeah, I'd say it's a little bit of both. I think the way that I was raised, I was raised in a small town. We just didn't have a lot of restaurants around us. And so home-cooked meals. What town, by the way? I'm from Salina, Texas, which is north of Dallas. So growing up there, going out to eat was a 30 to 45 minute just to get to the restaurant affair. So it was just more of a special occasion thing or something that we did, you know, not regularly. It was more of an occasion. Frisco at the time was so small. So it wasn't like until I got to high school that we were just like going to Frisco to eat lunch and dinner. So growing up with home cooked food was just my normal. And I always loved food. I always took a big interest in the kitchen around my mom and my grandmother, like you said. And so I definitely kind of learned the basics from them, but I would say it wasn't until my twenties when I got to college and eating out became my normal that I was like, I don't enjoy eating out all the time. In a nutshell, I just like got to my, in my twenties when eating out became the norm. I started to really long for just being at home. I'm a homebody, you know, just 
from my personality, but also the way that I was raised. And so for me, I longed for that staying home, relaxing, cooking. And so I started to call my mom and say, okay, how do you make this recipe? All the all my favorites of hers. And I started to make them for my roommates. And I was definitely like the best roommate ever, <laughs> if I do say so myself. <laughs> and I always cooked for my friends. And it just kind of from there, the love of cooking for others, I realized was my love language. And it just, you know, after college, when my now husband and I were dating, I would always cook for us and our friends. And it just became one of those things that became part of me and just like associated with me. Yeah. As somebody who also gathers a community online, I'm always pretty fascinated to watch other women gather theirs around them as they begin to share what it is that that they love, that they're good at, that they care about, and then even their personal lives, their families, their stories. And so I would love to hear you talk about the really early days of being a person who began to gather a community on the internet around food. What did that look like? What made you decide, I'm going to, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to try this. What was it like for you? And then how has it like grown and flourished since? For sure. So whenever I started the Define Dish, I don't think I ever in, in my wildest dreams would have thought that it would be what it is today. You know, at the time, Instagram stories didn't exist. It wasn't, I didn't think that I would be kind of the face of a brand. I kind of just thought my food would be the face of my brand. And my sister and I actually originally kicked off the Define Dish together in, I think, 2014. So we launched it as a food and fitness blog, sister duo, and we definitely weren't like doing it consistently and weren't really trying to make it a business quite yet. And after about a year and a half, I realized the passion that I had for it and how much I loved sharing food with others like on a platform, not just around my dinner table. And so when she kind of grew sick of it and it was that turning point of, am I going to try to make this a business or not? I just couldn't say goodbye to it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. I'll just, you know, pick up the pieces and it, it, it's at least worth a shot for me because I love it so much. And it was around that same time that Instagram stories came about. I wasn't the type of person to really put myself on my Instagram feed. And so it was the first time that I really think the community that was built started to see me and get to know me and my family. And that's really whenever it began to flourish. And I realized it's so much more than just the recipes that you share with your community. It's the way that you share it and letting them in and giving them a taste of your life and how you put those meals together and how you present them to the people that you love that brings everyone together. So I think that that's the foundation of the Define Dish. I think Instagram stories was the best thing for a person like me that was a little bit intimidated to express myself in feed. I owe a lot of it to Instagram stories, to be honest. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, first of all, I love the connection too. It's not just that the community loves the connection with me. I also, it's vice versa. I really enjoy connecting with the community. I get to see other people cook the food. I get to communicate with them. I get to hear their stories of about them and the kitchen and their families and who they dropped off dinner to. So it just makes it so much more intentional and has so much more purpose behind it. So 
I, I love it. Well, your food photography is beautiful. Well, it really you. is. I you try. <laughs> are really good at that, which is saying something because you can absolutely be a great cook and not be a good food photographer. Those are two separate streams. I used to be that person and I realized mm. nobody cooked my recipes because it looked like dog food. <laughs> Interesting. Did you self-teach? Did or are yes. you self-taught there? For mm-hmm. sure. Because, you know, when I started to try to make my blog a business, spending money on a photographer that's expensive and all that didn't make sense. I wasn't making any money to put it into there. And I just wanted to produce it myself so that I could make an income <laughs> or try to. And so I knew the only way of doing that was me figuring it out. And quite frankly, I've really enjoyed learning to take photos with my camera. And every year I get better at food photography and learn something new. But you know, the internet is a wonderful resource and you can really learn anything from it. Good for you. It's so true. I always say the internet is free school. I mean, it really is. If you have YouTube, you can get on there and you can learn how to be a heart surgeon. I mean, it is, everything is on there. So good for you for tackling a completely different skill set. It's just interesting because cooking is creative. And so it taps into a lot of creative energy, actually, if you want to. If you want to, there's so much creativity. You can start wrapping and packaging around food preparation and food photography and serving and just all of it. You've done a really wonderful job. I kind of want to talk about your food point of view. A lot of your recipes are inspired by kind of whole 30 paleo lifestyle, which for people kind of in the, in the rhythm of those spaces, got it. Some people are intimidated by what feels or sounds like a diet or a lot of deprivation or restrictions. And it kind of comes with this outdated idea that that food just is not going to taste good. that it's utilitarian food. We already had to cut everything good out of it that we actually love. So we're just left with the like boring bits, but you've really flipped that idea on its head. Can you talk a little bit about that type of eating? Why that is important to you, why you're drawn to it, why that's a, why that's your point of view. And then specifically how you've approached recipe development, because you make beautiful and delicious food. Yeah. (laughs) Well, to me, First of all, I love food. It has to taste good or else it's not a meal. I'm going to find a different meal. <laughs> yep, that's it. I am very obsessed with food. And I, while I'm eating lunch, I'm thinking about dinner and it better be good. I just, I love food. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, it doesn't have to blow your mind every time you eat. I just, I'm one of those people where it needs to kind of hit the string every time I eat because I love it so much. And then on top of it, I just... I feel like my approach with the paleo whole 30 thing is I did whole 30 for the first time because I needed it at the time. I was really struggling with anxiety. My sister had done it. She's really into health and wellness and she had done one and she recommended I try it because I um, was really struggling with anxiety and she thought it would help with mental clarity. And when I did it for the first time, it was such a positive ripple effect on me because not only did I eat clean and kind of clean, take out a lot of sugar, a lot of alcohol and some things in my diet. I also found that I just started taking care of myself as like a ripple effect. And I realized, oh, I literally was taking, I'm just one of those people that loves to take care of others around me. And it's one of the things that I love most about myself, but it also can hurt me as like my own, my own self, because I'll put myself on the back burner. So as a new mom at the time, I just wasn't taking care of myself. So that 30 days really made me 
realize the importance of that. And those 30 days made me realize I can make anything taste good. Yep. Totally. <laughs> and I'm from Texas and from the South and I expect to be very satisfied when I finish eating. And if I'm not satisfied, then I'm going to find something else to eat. Like I need to feel full and it, I like that heaviness, which is why I love stews and kind of Southern food. And so it was like, man, I'm craving gumbo. How can I accomplish that same sensation of eating gumbo, but by making it with Whole30 compliant ingredients? And once I kind of figured out how to cook with things like arrowroot starch and cassava flour and those grain-free things, I I could figure out how to make pretty much anything more or less. There's some things that can't be touched. And those things, I will always eat it the regular way, like pasta. I'm sorry, zucchini noodles will never do it for me. Not the same. It's not the <laughs> never same. Never going to be the same. Never, ever, ever. And it's, you know, for the most part, I like to kind of focus on a paleo whole 30-ish way of eating. And then I definitely dabble and have a couple cocktails a week and wine. And I definitely have pasta still. My mom's Italian. So we still, I just kind of, in chips and sauce, of course, we go get Tex-Mex once a week. So there's, I just have my own flow that works. And I feel like the Whole30 definitely set a good foundation for me to have my own food freedom. And that's really the basis of my foundation and making sure I feel full always. And just setting a good example. You know, I have two young girls for my kids around food. My mom, I give her all the credit in the world. She always was really good around food. And if she did want to lose some weight, it was never any crazy crash diet. She just was like, oh, I'm just, you know, being healthy right now or and focusing on some cleaner foods and just never was super rash about anything. And I love that she taught us that about ourselves and to not, you know, be crash dieters. And yeah, so absolutely. I definitely want to teach my kids the importance of healthy eating while also not making them feel like they ever need to completely restrict themselves. So absolutely. I did whole 30 two or three years ago for a lot of the same reasons. I don't have a physical aversion to gluten or it's not that it was for other kind of ancillary reasons that I thought, let's just, let's run a clean ship here for 30 days. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I went into it with like no small degree of melodrama. That's just how I do. Cause I like food (laughs) to taste good. That is just my bottom line. It just needs to, I like, I'm a flavor junkie. And so I thought, well, this is just, I don't know, but it really is true that even inside that construct, it could be, I had absolutely delicious food for a month. Because I was commit, I was determined to. I know I could have just run a chicken breast and broccoli operation. For sure, you but, can do that. In, yeah, you can by do all that. Means. But you I was like, it, what? No. <laughs> what if I just dug deep and found it and scoured? And yeah. you sacrifice nothing, really mm-hmm. and truly, just absolutely nothing. Especially and you when can you, have potatoes. You can if, have potatoes. If you couldn't have potatoes, I'd be out. <laughs> oh man, the potatoes really came in clutch. Yes, they did. Sure. Us, us Southerners need our potatoes, and that was essential. (laughs) You are not wrong about that. Guys, I plan on winning the fun ant award this spring. As soon as it's warm enough and I live in Texas. So that's basically now I'm breaking out the air pump and inflating a kiddie pool and floaties for my nephew, Calvin and my other nephew, Owen. And I cannot wait. And you know what we will be doing after pool time. You better believe we'll be making crafts from KiwiCo. With a KiwiCo subscription, your kiddo gets a new crate full of science and art projects every single month. And the cool thing about KiwiCo is there's something for kids 
literally of all ages. I can't actually wait to see what KiwiCo is going to bring me and Calvin and Owen. And we might get something like the Koala Crate, which is perfect for kids ages two to four. And we might get something like all the materials to make a rainbow pillow and learn about how rainbows are formed. So cute. Or we might even get a cute little doctor's kit complete with a stethoscope and a thermometer and bandages so my baby boys can help out their patients and learn a little bit more about empathy. It's just cute and it's creative and it's fun. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid or kid at heart every month. So you can get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code for the love at kiwico.com. So that's 30% off your first month at, I'll spell this for you, K-I-W-I-C-O.com, promo code for the love. If you're looking for the perfect bra, look no further than Third Love. I've said it once and I'll say it again. I love Third Love bras. I've never had a drawer full of bras where I loved every single one. They fit me perfectly. They have this super luxe feel and they're so pretty. I actually want to put them on and for a bra that's saying something. And now Third Love is making the perfect thing to go with their comfy bras. Loungewear. They have this beautiful new line called Lounge by Third Love, and it's my new uniform for life, essentially. It doesn't matter if I'm laying on the couch or running around somewhere on the weekend. I look cute, and I'm so comfy. The whole lounge line comes in mix and match styles and in the most beautiful neutrals you ever saw. Plus, like their bras, these clothes have such a luxurious feel. You're going to love Lounge by Third Love as much as I do. Third Love knows your one true fit is out there. So right now, they're offering my listeners 20% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash for the love now to find your perfect fitting bra or loungewear and get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash for the love for 20% off today. All right, back to our show. So when I think about you know, that that was sort of an entry point for you was what about inside a a loose structure? Like let's call it a loose structure, general, but with some flex. I'm curious now through that lens, as you are a creative, you are literally creating, you are creating recipes, you're creating cookbooks, you're creating content, you're creating videos. What inspires you at this point as a recipe developer? Where do you continue to find new, fresh ideas? Where do you look? Where do you see? Where do you take your stuff from? You know, I think it's from everything, whether it's through Instagram or Pinterest or usually travel. That has not been so much the case this year. In restaurants, I get I get so much inspiration from different flavors. But, you know, right now, I think the thing that has inspired me most is just the last year has been so hard on everybody. And we're all kind of turning to our pantries for the first time and breaking away from that grain-free moment, which for a while, I mean... I just was very fixated on the grain-free thing for a while. And then COVID hit and it was like, you know what? There is a beautiful thing in a can of white beans. You can turn it into so many great things. And pasta can just go so long, such a long way in rice. And I have found a new love for pantry shopping. Nice. And so I've been really inspired by using those ingredients and still making healthful dishes without worrying so much about those labels on there. 
but also being cognizant about, you know, what I'm putting in my body for the most part. So I've been having a lot of fun cooking from the pantry again. I've been really inspired by that. I find the kitchen to be the thing that brings me the most joy. It brings my family together. It's how I connect with my husband. It's how I show motherly love to my kids. And we've all just gone so far from that. The kitchen is now like, we don't have time for it. What can we get on the table? It's stressful. And I just want people to feel that comfort in the kitchen again. I just think that's, if we could go back a little bit back in time in one aspect of our lives, it's the kitchen because that time that we have gathered around the table at the end of the day is to me the most important. It's what helps us all decompress. It's what brings us all to connect in a world that we're connected with everybody else other than the people that are right here in our own homes. And so I really want to, moving forward, try to intentionally share recipes in a way that will get people excited to cook and not feel intimidated by it and want to share it with others. So I don't really know. I haven't, I don't know the equation to make that happen, but I'm going to do my dang best. <laughs> I, I just couldn't possibly agree more that the table is kind of an unparalleled connecting point. There's just, I can't find it substitute. Just last night, one of my kids, my daughter, Sydney, she's 20. She's a student at UT. So she's here in town, but she lives on campus and her two best friends who I've known since they were, we, all of them, they're in their little pod together and they came over for dinner, the three of them. And so when I finally got the green light, listen, you, your girls are little, but wait till they're 20. And when they're like, okay, yes, I'll come home for dinner. You're like, stop everything. What, what do I have? in my What can I pick up real quick curbside? Like all of a sudden it's an event. And so I think it's a huge meal and it's beautiful. Everything's just beautiful. It's gorgeously presented. And they're just like, what in the world? I'm like, this is how, you know, I love you. And I mean that like when me spending an hour in the kitchen, making beautiful, delicious food for you, I want you to sit on the table and go, that lady loves me. That lady loves me. And then we, of course, we sat at the table with our African peanut soup and our wedge salads for three hours because that's what happens. That is what happens. The food brings us together, but the table keeps us together. And it's magic. It's absolute magic. I, I would like to hear you talk more about how you approach this. Like, we'll kind of get out of the realm of your career work in food and more like just Alex as a mom and a wife. How is it? Because your girl, how old are your kids? Five? They're eight and five. Yeah, eight and five. Because they're little, little ish, yeah. youngish. They're still little ish, yes. They're how growing. do you? How do you approach kitchen, food, cooking, recipes, eating as a mom? Are the girls in the kitchen with you? Are they adventurous eaters? I I am assuming you've introduced them early enough to a lot of interesting flavors that they're probably really good eaters. Yeah, they're pretty good. I wouldn't say that they're like all stars, you know, chomping on kale or anything like some people do, but they're pretty adventurous and they'll, they kind of know they need to try everything at the table always. I love spice and they're still not spicy people. And they're ah, like, keep trying. They're gonna be. I will yeah, not yeah. give up on that. There's yes. no way. And you know, I've definitely found myself a little bit more exhausted in the kitchen lately. And so I'm trying to just focus on what I'm cooking for my family, not over overdoing it a little bit, you know, saving that for the weekends because it's hard for me not to. I just tend to overdo it in the kitchen all the time. I can't help myself. And so I'm really trying to rein that in and create a better balance there. And now that I'm done with this project behind me, I can already feel a sense of relief and bring my my family back into the kitchen a little bit more with me. But I think 
having the kids come help as much as they're willing to in the kitchen is always fun. Even if it's five minutes, like they don't have an attention span that's like super long in there unless it involves dessert and licking the bowl every five seconds. So with savory cooking specifically, getting them in there for as much as possible with making lunches in the morning, asking them to go grab one thing that they want from the pantry to put in their lunchbox, just getting them involved as much as I can. And with dishes... (laughs) They do not know how to load a dishwasher, but getting a sponge out and like scrubbing their plate is fun. So they'll do that and then they'll just like toss it on the top rack. I'm like, plates go on the bottom rack, but you know what? It's something. So I I just try to get them in there as much as possible because when I think back to my childhood, it's like the most fond memories I had and like the most of my memories involved being in the kitchen with my family. And so, you know, right now they might not care much about an eggplant lasagna that I make them. But I know when they're in their 20s, they're going to be like, oh, mom made the best eggplant lasagna. How did she make that? Let me go in her book and make it. And they're going to, it might take them way longer to appreciate and love these memories that we're making in the kitchen. But I know it'll happen because that's, that's what happened to all of us. Absolutely. I like that you said it can be even short term. I am on record as saying, I am not a great kitchen teaching mom. This is a multiple tiered problem, but I love cooking so much that it's my, this is like a treat for me. To me, cooking is a prize for having worked hard all day and I love it. And so the kids are always just bothering that and I'm less patient. And I've noticed that I am particular about how things are and how things go. And so I always appreciate when some other mom gives me a a lesser version of what's possible, like just let them come in and just chop the green onions. And then yeah. get out. Or the whole thing. <laughs> you don't have to be in here soup to nuts. Okay, let's just maybe find one task for them to do. And so I am trying to do better at that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be an every night thing. It's like, even if they come in a couple nights a week, it's like baby steps. That A little bit goes a long way and they'll at least know the basics of cooking. Yeah, that's I right. I remember I had a roommate in college that was like, how do I boil water? Oh, like, totally. It's yep. pretty, it's pretty classic. You can do this. <laughs> we have to go north of that. Like but we I have do to know do better than that this. right now, like Sutton could make herself a grilled cheese if she needed to. Like, well done. You know, or some scrambled eggs. Like they, uh-huh. they're already yep. got the basics down, which is I'm proud of. So yes. Well, and I'll tell you what's coming next. Cause I'm just ahead of you in the mom game. Cause I've got a 22 year old who's like graduated and launched. I have a 20 year old who's out of the house. I'm at the stage where they call me. How do you make your uh-huh. combo? How yes. did you? And you're probably what, like, ah. Oh. I'm like, God, it worked. It worked. Yes, it comes full circle. All it good does. things come around. You know, it's like sometimes they take time, but it, it just works. It sure does. So I want to talk about real quick about Texas. We're obviously loud and proud Texans. You're born and raised, born and bred. You're a native Texan daughter. And so you and I have a similar flavor profile. We like it hot. We like it salty. We like, we like it, spicy. it heavy. We like it heavy. <laughs> I like it cheesy. And so yeah. when you're craving Tex-Mex, when you're craving that kind of, what's your go-to? What do you love? What do you love to make? What's your favorite thing? I mean, who, who doesn't love tacos? I love them. So you I like mean, them hard or soft, crunchy or soft. So I have crunchy baked tacos, which means it's a little bit soft on the center, but crispy on the edges. They're on the blog. Make them. Wait a minute. Dish. Wait a minute. Let me just think about this for one second. Crispy. So you basically cook the meat or whatever you want to put inside of it. Soften the tortilla. I usually use the siete foods, cassava tortillas. 
And then I put it on a baking dish, close it, and then just kind of brush some oil on the top. And then put it in the oven. Do you like like Jack in the Box tacos? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to say that I do. I love them. <laughs> okay. So it's almost okay. that taco shell style. So somewhere in between. Or I like to get a crispy taco and put a soft taco around it. I need like a little bit of both. I like that. Kind of like but the Taco like Bell wrap taco. Yeah, I do Exactly. Too. Like the gordita crust. Or is it the gordita crust? Uh-huh. And it's so good. Or I'd eat it right decker. now. <laughs> I would literally eat that right now. Yes. Especially if that crunchy so taco was the Dorito taco. Yeah. Sure. And they don't, and they do not skimp on the salt, which I know you and I. <laughs> I'm so happy. I, after any given meal, I want to be so full of sodium that like I can't bend my fingers. That's oh, I know. <laughs> to me as a real mark of a good recipe. I have to go way less on salt on my recipe because I uh, tend to oversalt things. But I hope that none of my family ever hears this interview because they'll be like, her too. Did your great grandmother work hard to raise her children and keep her family together? Did your grandfather march for social justice and pave the way for change? Did your family persevere through natural disasters, maybe, to rebuild and start anew? Challenging times, obviously, are nothing new, but neither are resilient people. And with Ancestry, you can learn about the specific struggles your family went through and grow you closer to your own family today. Ancestry helps you search billions of records to learn more about the ancestors who came through remarkable challenges so you could be here today. You can find details about their lives in records at Ancestry. You can find out how they earned a living through a census record or see their actual signature on a military record. Learning their stories helps you find a connection to what they went through and how they stood strong through hardship. As I dig into my own family tree, I've had a lot of first-generation immigrants and just a couple of, you know, links away from me. I can't wait to find out what it took for them to get here, what it took for them to start over in America. You know what? There's just strength in every family story. So learn more about yours at Ancestry. Head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash for the love to start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash for the love. All right, back to our show. Okay, one last question before we wrap it up. What, or if there is, is there something here in the food world and it's a whole ecosystem of a million different possibilities that you would like to try that you're still kind of like, you've got your eye on it. It's a little bit of a dream, something that you're kind of hoping to manifest in the next season. You know, I think the thing that I have in my head right now that I want to do next, and it's not necessarily like a particular dish. But because I never went to culinary school and because I'm so in love with food and learning, and I feel like I, I'm like kind of in this dome of how I cook, I want to open up a new door. I really want to do like a summer somewhere, whether it be France or Italy, or I don't even care where it is to do a culinary program, take my family with me and learn like a whole new realm of just culinary expertise, just to open up uh, my realm a little bit more. I love that so much that I want to come with you. You can come. <laughs> can you invite me, please? I'll yes. just live next door. So it is fine. We were kind of thinking about doing it this this summer, but I felt we were going to give COVID another year to die down so we can really enjoy it and put the kids in like a, a camp and 
hopefully they can learn from a new culture and language wherever we go and just kind of do a whole new gig. So that's my mind is really set on that. And my husband's excited about it too. So that's, that's what we're going to do. That's so exciting. I love that dream so much that I might just adopt it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I have a new dream too. It is just yes. like that one. I mean, it would be so fun. It'd be so fun. We learned so much. So I'm excited about that. And there's nothing like immersion learning. I mean, that's just the thing. I am also not formally trained, of course, at all, but I did, I spent one week at a culinary instruction. I called it food camp, but it's 40 hours of just nonstop cooking at a guy culinary school and all day, every day. It was so fun. And then all of a sudden it's five o'clock every single day. It's just, but there's nothing like being bent over the stove doing the thing. It just, that's the best way to learn it with your instructor right there. And so it, that also gave me a little fever for formal and for instruction outside of the way I normally learned, which was watching shows. Yes, for sure. Which we all do nothing wrong with that, but just learning knife skills in a, in a whole nother way and learning to fillet a fish the proper way, anything, just like all the little things that I would love to learn and new techniques for cooking, I think would be, would open up my, open up my realm a little bit more. So that's a, that's what I'm looking forward to. That's a great one. Next summer is going to be perfect. Your girls are going to be at such a great age for it. Yes. My oldest, my husband and I have been talking about it. She's like, wait, I'm going to school in another country. I'm like, just for the summer, you'll be okay. Yes. (laughs) Oh, are you kind of thinking it should be Italy? You know, I w- obviously Italy is very romantic and why would you not want to go to Italy? And because my mom's Italian, I, we have like this deep embedded pride of being Italian, even though it's a very small percentage of what people do. So that would be really fun. But I kind of just want to look around and see like what I think would open up my culinary world a little bit more, which I feel like France would probably do that or somewhere in Spain. But I don't know. I'm going to start exploring my options and figure out where I think I'll learn the most and then go. I am way too invested in this. I I can feel myself (laughs) being overly invested. Like you can come visit and do a couple weeks with me or something. Uh, That's fantastic. Okay. So wrapping it up, here are just, here are three questions I'm asking everybody in the food series. We have like amazing food folks in this series. So just kind of off the top of your head, here's the first one. If you could only eat one dish for the whole rest of your life, that's just the only one, what would you choose? Which is a terrible thing to ask. The, yeah, I hate that horrible question, question so much. But I would either, uh, either or, I'm one and picking two. It's fine. I'll let you have two. I would have a filet or some ribeye steak with the side of my mom's anchovy pasta. Oh, <laughs> anchovy pasta. It's oh, like a anchovy. pasta with red sauce with anchovies and it's just salty and delicious. (laughs) That sounds so good. I I think you're the third person in this series to say steak. Oh yeah. I mean, there's kind of nothing that beats a beefy steak. It's just so good. It's it's foolproof. I mean, like tarragon butter on top. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nadia, I told you I was talking to this morning. She also said steak with peppercorn sauce. I'm like, I'll take it any which way. Me too. (laughs) Uh Yeah. I'll take it with the, I'll take it. Steak and pasta. Steak and pasta. Okay. When you're too tired to cook, when you've just had it, you've just, you're D-O-N-E and not, and I don't mean takeout. So we're not going to have takeout. We're not going to have a restaurant, but you're still at home. You got to feed people, but you're sick of it. What is your, what's your go-to thing? I mean, this could be the lowest brow possible thing you could ever say. 
I would make probably my mom's anchovy pasta or, you know, whip up if, on my blog. I have one for my kids that they live. It's yummy pasta. It's a one pot meal and it's just like a couple ingredients and it's so good. Everyone's happy. So yes, pasta. Can you just very quickly rattle off what is in anchovy pasta? Lots of garlic, shallot, lots of anchovies, olive oil, a can of cherry tomatoes, which I don't know if you've ever bought that. A little sweeter, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit sweeter and more or less that's it. And I always bucatini with that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's no way that's not good. There's no, it's so great. It was like the dish that my mom always made when my dad was working late because he didn't like it, Uh, (laughs) but it it was her go-to and like her favorite thing. And it's so good. It's just one of those things. It's just yummy. So it's my mom's anchovy pasta. That's perfect. People need to get really (laughs) over their aversion to anchovies. That is a fake aversion. Oh, it is. Through TV shows and movies. And it is absurd. They are squeamish looking, but like they always get ground up and like everything that we eat. I mean, I'll eat them by a hole on the cracker, but I'm for other people, I'm like, just put it in the dish. I promise you, you'll never know. They just kind of melt away into deliciousness. Same as fish it sauce. Is. I just, everybody it's, come on, get it together. Oh yeah. They're both Easy secret day. weapons of umami in the kitchen. Secret weapon. I, I just cannot use it or open it when a kid is in the ro- in the vicinity because they freak <laughs> bad for just a second. But okay. Last question. Everybody gets this one, every series, every guest, and you can answer it in any which way that you want, like in a serious way or in a completely not serious way. What's saving your life right now? My family, for sure. I think with everything kind of feeling like it's flailing in the world, you know what I mean? It's the one thing that's grounding me. So I am so grateful for my husband and my kids every day that goes by that the world seems unstable because it's the one thing that grounds me and the one thing that I know I can always rely on with however bad it gets. So they don't care how great you're doing out on Instagram stories. They're just glad you're there. Yes. This is all gone. They're still here. And like, that's, that's always what keeps me going for sure. Great answer. Perfect. Okay. Let's wrap it up. Just, can you please tell everybody just quickly where they can find you, where, where you love for them to follow you where to find your goodies, all that. Yes, it's the defineddish.com for blog stuff. On Instagram, which is where I'm most active, is at the defined dish. And then my book is called The Defined Dish. Listen, <laughs> when you find something that works, <laughs> you just stay with it. You and know, that can be fine, you know, most places that books are sold on Amazon. So all the things, the defined dish. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Listen, I, I am a big fan of clear branding. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> very don't clear, make it hard streamlined. For us. Don't yes. make it hard for us. Okay. Alex, Thank so you. happy to have met you. Thanks so for being fun. on today. Thanks for having me. All right, you guys. Ah, I love that. I love her. If you go to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, we'll not only have the show notes for this episode, but everything to find Alex, all of her social links, links to her book, every single thing we talked about, we will have linked up for you. It's kind of a one-stop shop. Okay. Thank you for downloading and for listening. I, you, you are going to enjoy this series so much. We have more to come. Incredible guests guests that you love, cooks that you love. It's all in here. So if you haven't already subscribed to the show, go do it. It's like one hit one button, subscribe. And also thank you for all your 
reviews and for rating the show. That is, we read those, we see those. Those are so meaningful to us. Um, We're just delighted to bring this little show to you week in and week out. It's our joy. Thanks for being an incredible listening community. You guys, see you next week.